so Roald Dahl, so there have been attempts to cancel him in some cases successfully, but I guess not quite because he was eventually his works were, I, I won't say reinstated, but the decision to censor him was reversed eventually. So what should we do in such cases? And why is there a need to revisit past works and cancel them? Is this incessant need to cancel others? Is this part of the new woke cancel culture? So joining us today, welcome everyone to episode 58 of Tetari with Wallet. So joining us today will be a local author. As some of you may know, I was... I was asking on my IG about what people felt about this entire episode and some people, a minority, felt that Roald Dahl should indeed, his works should be edited. The, our, our guest today, she doesn't believe that, but she believes uh, Roald Dahl's works are problematic and she will explain. I don't want to put words in her mouth. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, my name is Farain Jafa. I'm an author. I'm an author to five books and counting. Um, yeah, and I'm also an advocate in various areas of advocacy. Okay. So what types of books have you written? You've written five books. Um, so they are all children's are books. Um, they, are, they range from talking about the hijab, which is what I'm wearing right now. Also talking about um, families, breastfeeding, um, about, there's one also about financial literacy. And the most current, my last most current book baby is about accessibility. So it's about a blind person who has a favorite color. Yes. Ah, interesting. Okay, interesting. Thank you, Farai. So let's let's get to it. So my first question to you is, what's your beef with Roald Dahl? Getting straight to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're not even giving me a warm-up session. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. So what's, what's your problem? <laughs> okay, so... Um, well... My problem, inverted commas, <laughs> uh, would be that, you know, these classics, not just Roald Dahl, uh, other classics that, you know, that sit along the same uh, context as Roald Dahl, like Annie Blyton, uh, Dr. Seuss, um, C.S. Lewis and all, they represent a worldview and perspective of powerful white people. Yeah, and they are part of a system that maintain the structure to keep them in power. So that's my main beef. <laughs> if you want to ask about the main beef of it. Um, um, so there's, of course, you know, the, con the text itself, there's xenophobia, there's bigotry in the various uh, content of the, of the authors. So that's the main beef uh, in, in a quick summary. Right. Okay, so so let's unpack them. Uh, so there are a couple of comments. One by Hamza, which I will address later because mm -hmm. I intended to address that as well. By Sarabjit, uh, he said he's his first time joining a live session, ha! and so glad it's a conversation with you. 
Thank you, Sarajit. Right. So, okay. So, so if I am allowed to paraphrase you, so it's not only that you want to cancel Rolda, you want to cancel C.S. Lewis in it blind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So is okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So not only should uh, they they be viewed through a lens mm -hmm. which finds them problematic. Uh, so we should do what exactly with well, this works? Not read them? No, I don't think that it should be them. edited. That's my perspective. I don't see a need on why um, this uh, literature that were deemed as classics by the people of the white institution uh, should be edited. Um, personally, I felt that, you know, this whole um, talk on getting them is a publicity stunt just to keep them relevant um, because you know it's it's right it's it's um the change is coming you know we are we are the this generation this generation of parents are the generation of disruptors um we are the ones who are with paying power we vote with our money and we are voting for more representation uh, more better diverse representation, more affirming representation of our of the diverse community in the global world. Um, so I found that you know uh, all this talk in the media about about rewriting um, the Roald Dahl books uh, is just a PR stunt to keep it relevant, and it's also part of the you know the system the organizations a system to maintain power of the of the literature yeah okay so so i don't know what to make of this information what or what you would make of this information but my my wife uh lets my son read Roald Dahl in fact she's just bought like, i don't know whether it's all mm -hmm. but a lot of his books uh, for my son um and so i guess even within this generation mm -hmm. of disruptors quote unquote there is a diverse range right of of parents and so what exactly is the problem with them it, it cannot no, it, be that because they're white right? because they're white it's because their content uh the content is there's xenophobia in there there's also bigotry uh there's a lot of some of it has imperialism um, colonialism um, and even white supremacy right okay so so uh, so Steffi says Royal Dahl books still have value plenty of people including me a 25 year old enjoy his book so Steffi is about the same age as I am and they are more <laughs> they are more than relevant still um, okay so if you were to go back in time, mm -hmm. 30, 40 years, right? Is there any book that isn't problematic? Now, if you look at many of the black activists, for instance, you, you look at Malcolm mm -hmm. X, whom I admire a lot. I admire more than Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Uh, his books and even some of his statements, you can say there are a lot of anti-Semitic uh, mm -hmm. tropes behind them. So should Malcolm X also be viewed through the same problematic lens? Or 
is he given a pass because he's a minority? I don't think anyone should be given a pass, a pass, uh, for putting forward anything that's hurtful or harmful to any other community. That's my statement on that. Um, but my take is on your earlier question. You know, is there any books that are not problematic? It's a little bit tough to say because you know the the I would say diverse literature only started um, booming in inverted commas booming, but not truly really booming. It's just like struggling, you know, coming in where um, diverse or diverse literature is only starting to come in. I would say probably more actively in the last less than a decade. Yeah, less than a decade. So um, I mean, if you look. Yeah, if you look at the timeline, Roald Dahl passed away thirty-one years ago. So a lot of uh, the millennials grew up with his book, uh, and also with Doctor Seuss' book, because Doctor Seuss uh, passed away thirty-two years ago. Um, and um, but only more recently did. Their work started reflect out to be xenophobic or racist, um, um, and problematic because only recently were we starting to get, I would say, thought leaders looking more critically into their works and understanding how, um, not have having the portrayal of negative portrayals of coloured characters inside stories bring a lot of effects of harm and hurt um, to the global community. Uh, so Stephanie was asked, I was just going to ask, so uh, other than Umpa Lumpas, right, uh, what are some examples of the racism and xenophobia, if, if you have off the top of your head? I don't, uh, if, if not, it's fine. I have kind of erased. <laughs> uh, I mean, right, I read right. them okay. a very long time ago, and I didn't read them in 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 depth. I was more of, I mean, I grew up more on a diet of Annie Blyton compared to Roald Dahl, so I don't. So, what what about Annie Blyton, oh. for instance? What are some of the problematic well, tropes uh, in Annie Blyton? Sorry? I, I never read any of them, so I. So I just don't know. I didn't read yeah, any I can't of them, point so out I'm, to the yeah, yeah. specific characters. But if you look at it, uh, in generally, her works are very whitewashed. There's very little diversity in in the characters, and if there's any diversity, usually the characters that are of color um, are negatively portrayed. So usually, you know, a bad character or a poor character with poor ethics, or or you know, just or someone who's Inflicting harm, um, or if that character that character is a character of color, that character needs saving, for example. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So so um, I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Right. So how mm-hmm. far back do we go? Do we judge yesterday's works by today's standards? Um, because we have our immorality has so called evolved. Um, uh, and where does it stop? Does it stop at Dr. Suits? How about friends? Should friends also not be encouraged because it doesn't portray black uh, characters? Uh, what about Seinfeld? Right? So Seinfeld is 
uh, Seinfeld and Friends are funnier than many of the diverse comedies that we see where you have a lot of diversity but they are not funny. They are just there to tick boxes, right? So how far back, how far do we want to go with this? With Maybe this it's not idea? about how f- looking back but more of looking forward. Like if you look at the current uh, state of the media, we have in Marvel, we have the Black Panther. You know, we wouldn't have, we probably wouldn't have the Black Panther as a, you know, in a blockbuster movie. Um, I would say 10 years ago, probably, um, or even more than that. But we we are getting more and more diversity in diverse representations in characters in our media as well. I mean, in our screen media as well. And also at the same time, not only that, uh, gender as well. You wouldn't find a female superhero or a female protagonist uh, much especially when I was growing up, yeah. But now, now my, ch- my children growing up, they see more superheroes in, uh, in, their fe- in a female character. They see more female protagonists, um, you know, that doesn't need saving, that, <laughs> that isn't helpless. Uh, and those are empowering, yeah. Right. I, I would personally want right. to have been able to see so. that growing up, you know, female, strong female characters at least. Right. So Hamza says we had Blade and this was many, many years ago. I think he's going to be a character in the MCU as well, right? So so the MCU is an interesting uh, interesting, uh, interesting case study, right? Because, I mean, Black Panther is my favourite superhero. Uh, and Shakti, I think, worked as well. But She-Hulk was horrible, right? It, it seemed like it was diversity for the sake of it. Where, where it's, it mm-hmm. seems like when it's forced, uh, you can see the the effects of the the false representation, right? Where where it 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 does turn a lot of people off, don't you think so? Or you think all diversity? Of course, is, it's is it's tokenism. Yeah. So sometimes the diversity, the diverse character is just like a to- token character, you know? Like okay, here's that one Asian character, which is what. What kind of Asian we do not know. <laughs> you know, it's just that one Asian character, or that one uh, black character. But you know, like um, if we are looking, what what kind of black we looking at? American, um, and black Americans or Africans? This it's so wide and so diverse. Um, it's just uh, the aspect of tokenism. There, some we can as as uh, consumers of media, we are able to discern how, whether the diverse representation that's being put into the media is truly authentic, you know, with well thought out and intentional, or he's just there as a token character, um, or maybe even as a model minority. <laughs> yeah. Mm, okay. Okay. So I want to read out. So the comment section is is a bit lit today. So. Um, so Angie is saying, do we then erase all of that from all children's books to reflect mm-hmm. today's values, Morris? Um, Hamza says, the white institution, but it is their language produced for their audience, representing their cultures and their times. A thousand years from now, people will find our content very problematic. Never mind a thousand years, I think 30 years from now, uh, people will find our content 
problematic. Hamza also asked who decides what is hurtful or harmful? Who gets to decide? And I want to return to that. Harun says, so given that these books are written in different times of context, do we then teach kids the books mm -hmm. with the context? And G said, if the books are so problematic, then the publisher should stop publishing them. Dr. Seuss had a couple of them retired from the catalogue. Uh, Arun said, does this ask, does this not complicate introducing reading to children? Many of these books are gateways to reading for children and youths. Um, uh, and Steffi says, arguably many of these woke movies are not well written because the focus is on diversity rather than creating compelling characters. In fact, some of these woke characters are annoying. Those are Steffi's words, by the way, not my words. Uh, not that I disagree. I actually completely agree, but I just wanted to say it's a word. Uh, Gary says, what are, what, is, uh, what, what are the objectives of this conversation? What do we want to achieve at the end of the day? Well, like conversations between people who disagree, you try to understand why people disagree with each other. I think that's, I mean, it's, it's a bit strange to even ask that question. Uh, are we going to then just not mm -hmm. discuss things with people who we disagree with? Okay. So, Instead of, Masago says, instead of forcing diversity into books and movies, why don't we encourage people to be more diverse in their choice of books mm -hmm. and movies to watch? Any, you want to any you of them? Or... I'm... <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> okay. Okay. okay, so, so, so the, if, if I could mm -hmm. this time paraphrase you okay. correctly, uh, your, your issue is that they were reflecting a culture which was not representative. That can be, yes, that's true. Right. But it's not the main So should all vernacular mm -hmm. literature prior to maybe 10 years ago, all vernacular, all Malay literature, all Indian or Tamil and Hindi and Native American, all of this literature, should all of them be shunned in the same way that white authors are shunned. Because I think we can easily make a case that you will find similar tropes in mm -hmm. classical Arabic works, in Chinese works, right? You will find this lack of diversity and maybe sometimes caricatures uh, presented of different races and ethnicities. So in a world like that, should we then say that all of these works prior to the exact moment which I am living in, all of these works are problematic. Well, it depends on many aspects. Like, if we are looking at the parents who are introducing it into the homes for the children to read, then we also need to think about how are we part of the cycle of harm. But if we are looking at this harm, what is this harm that you are talking about when we? when we read uh, books um, like that? Is it dehumanizing? Is it degrading a particular community? Um, does it damage our social fabric, our social cohesion? And who are the books centering as well? Yeah. So, but if we are looking at university students or, you know, adults or researchers looking into into history for example then it's a different thing but so so there's many lens to look there's many ways to look at it um my area of expertise in, is in the children's book 
um, I do not know very, I don't have very deep knowledge on legends. Uh, you know, it, of course, not definitely not global legends, but generally, I only know much about whatever we have in Singapore. So we we need to look at it from the perspective of the child or the perspective of an adult who has the executive function uh, to be able to discern the content content that they are reading. Well, a child doesn't have the executive function to discern uh, the content that they are reading from the book. So an adult is still needed to help scaffold the information. Like for example, I'm just going to quickly give an example over here. When I showed my son a Dr. Seuss book that has been discontinued, like what one of the, uh, the viewers shared, yeah. so it's this book, If I Render Zoo. And uh, it's, this book okay. has been discontinued. In 2021, the Dr. Seuss um, organization has discontinued six titles because of racist content. So I have this book, I got it as a gift, and then I showed him this. I just let him flip through the book um, with me beside him to scaffold. And I showed him this page. I mean, he stopped at this page. And then I asked him, what do you think of the drawings? And then he said, why do they look like monkeys? So this is actually a description, Dr. Seuss' description of uh, Africans. You know, very dehumanizing, uh, very degrading to show Africans as monkeys. Of course, there's a lot of others um, inside the book itself that's uh, very dehumanizing and degrading. Uh, and also, you know, you can see the racism in it. So a child who's reading that book without an adult present to scaffold the content that the child is consuming, that child will take on the stereotypes. You know, be like, okay, you know, all Africans are probably uh, like that, like what Dr. Seuss drew, <laughs> uh, very dehumanizing and degrading. Or all, um, uh, there's also another part in the book where he very clearly emphasized on the eyes of the Chinese characters. And then he said it in, a in, in the text, with helpers who all wear their eyes at a slant. Yeah, so then, you know, we know that if we were to ever make fun of other people's eyes or features or anything like that, it's really, really rude, really hurtful and harmful. But how is it okay to have it in children's books? Yeah. Right, I, I think those are excellent examples. I mean, those are clearly uh, racist insertions, right? Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny, I wouldn't deny what you're saying. So that's that's uh, those are excellent examples, but the point still remains. I want to, I want to address this right. So uh, Fat says that she loves uh, Farin's point about looking towards <laughs> the future. I don't care about dead authors. Wow! If you don't care about dead authors, I mean, we should throw out ninety plus percent of our science and math and all of that, right? I mean, we are building on the knowledge and experiences of previous authors right i don't don't you think it was oh this person had something arrogant to say right uh something uh racist or problematic to say and therefore we should throw the baby out with the bath water i don't know whether that's a that's the appropriate uh approach unless Fats is saying only specifically mm. for children's books and not for 
and not for anything else. And, and I would love for parts to comment. Uh, because I think there can be a separation made, right? So let's say, Farahim, uh, uh, right? So that particular part in the children's books, right? Um, do you think just by reading that, uh, children will become will become racist? Uh, or should children not be shielded from how other people actually think in this world, right? And there are some racists uh, that they will be encountering and that is the duty of the parents to provide that okay when you're reading this see this is a bad example of how you should not be describing people you shouldn't be describing people of a different color in and i, I think you would know you would know this uh, better than than i right and children they are not racist by nature right they do not understand the differences of they will play with anybody like black, brown. It doesn't matter. It's the parents are the ones who describe, who imbibe this, impart this into them, right? And we will, we are the ones who will tell them uh, about, oh, oh, that person is brown and black and so on. They, they would use brown to maybe describe people's colors naturally, but they wouldn't put a value to that. So isn't it a job of the parents to do that rather than to send or to, to tell people that, okay, we shouldn't be reading this. So you read this, you read other things as well, but this is the reality. There are other mm -hmm. people okay. in the world who think like that. So let's look at parenting first. Um, if we are going to be actively, if a parent is going to be actively scaffolding the information or the content that the child's reading, then it's probably going to be okay, you know, like, so that means that whatever the, child's, the child reads, so if the child were to pick up, like, say, a Dr. Seuss book from our library or a Waldorf book from the library and the parent already has prior knowledge on the content and knows that, okay, you know what, the content is problematic, so we need to um, help scaffold our child's uh, knowledge about it. And sure, that's, that's fine. I personally did introduce, I didn't wait until my son picked up a Dr. Seuss book from the library. I used it because I already had it at home. I got it as a gift. So I used it as a tool, uh, as, a, as a tool to have conversations with him about it so that I, I, didn't, I didn't choose to you know, wait for it to happen by chance where, oh, he picks up a book at the library that's harmful, then I'll start talking about it. So I, I'm on that camera. Um, I will, I will actively try to make sure that I'm aware of whatever content he's reading, but it's not easy to keep up because he's already, you know, in, at least in the children's section, right. it's okay because you can finish your children's book yeah, in yeah. five minutes, like reading through it quickly as a parent. But once it comes to the, yeah. uh, the chapter books and then the young adult books, uh, it's how, how do you keep up as a parent? It's not easy, right? So, but you still vote as a parent with your wallet. So as long as you are paying for whatever uh, kind of consumption, literature consumption that your child is reading, then you're voting with your wallet. So it's either you vote, vote with ignorance or you vote with being informed. So that's the choice. And if you want to choose with voting with being informed, that means you need to exercise your right as a person who's voting with your wallet. Um, you want to make sure that, okay, uh, I want to, as a parent, I want to, I want to also ensure that the ecosystem of my child growing up is a safe place. Um, 
is uh, I know that the ecosystem, whatever comes into my home, uh, whether whatever content that's uh, entering my home, I know that, you know, whatever my child's reading is the same. If there's something harmful or hopeful, I know I'm aware about it and I'm able to take the take the steps that I need to scaffold uh, my child about the content. So, so that's, that's that, you know, but how, how much can we, can we really, really keep up with the, with the, you know, publications? It's not possible, especially as a child grow older. So you need, so the only way to do it, not, it's not really the only way, is to, as a parent, demand for, for publishers to be responsible for the publications that they continue uh, printing and putting into the bookstores for our children to read. Yeah, for our children. I, I think that's fair. I think I think that, that was a good explanation. Thank you, Farhan. So, so Fats did uh, clarify. She said, yes, it's specific for children's books. She also said the conversation on censorship of dead authors is taking away from the very real censorship and discrimination happening today in the publishing industry. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I always find that when you talk about something like that, somebody else will say, "Oh, but what about this other conversation?" Yeah, let's have that conversation. So, but today we're talking about this, right? Because this is important. I mean, important enough for the two of us to talk about this. I'll be happy to have. A conversation with us as well on on that right so so okay so uh angie says that is not a conversation about censorship but it's a conversation about parenting mm, would you agree with that mm, no i wouldn't say that it's just about parenting but it's about our responsibility everybody has a part to play uh whether you have children or not everybody has a part to play in how we chose our for the outcome for our future generations, yeah, it's not just it's not just a parenting thing. It's just like the responsibility of the society. Okay, so so um, I I wanted to ask you right. So you said harm harmful and hurtful and offensive, right? So some things are, are extremely clear, right? Some things are extremely clear. And the examples you give, I think, are extremely clear, extremely racist. Uh, extremely harmful. So, what about things which are less clear? Right? Things which are in the grey area, right? So, uh, so Shaha says that the word fat in Charlie and the Chocolate mm -hmm. Factory is replaced by the word enormous. So, he'd like to ask who decides what is offensive. And if I were to push you a little <laughs> right, Farai, um, uh, I could, if I could, not literally, but if I were to push it a little, right? So, what if five years from now, society decides that wearing the hijab is offensive uh, because we are taking away a woman's right? I mean, you've, you've heard all the arguments, right, about that, right? To decide false consciousness. Even when women say they, wanna, they want to wear it, it's false consciousness. They don't really believe that. They have been conditioned by society to believe that. What's my take on it? Oh. Yeah, what happens then? Then would you be okay with with your book being censored as well because it's about societal morals? Mm, well, that's part of religion. So it's a little bit complex, you know. It's... But, but why? So, so I, you and I both agree that this is a religious obligation, right? Because we believe in the same religious text, like... I believe that 
the Quran is the infallible word of God, right? Um, and I, I believe it's the greatest miracle on earth. But I believe that because I'm a Muslim, or I'm, I'm a Muslim, that's why I believe that. Actually, uh, I'm a Muslim because I believe that. And, but uh, people who are not Muslims will not believe that. For them, there's no difference mm -hmm. between the Quran mm -hmm. and a Royal Dell's book in terms of its potential, uh, the potentiality of harm, right? For them, there's no, uh, there's no difference, right? So why should religious books be given, be given that extra cover? Well, it's firstly one is scripture and the other one is literature. <laughs> so us is not scripture to everybody, right? It's literature to other people as well, isn't it? To non-Muslims, I mean, the, the Quran so is not scripture, right? scripture text. Like I would, I wouldn't call a Bible or Torah literature. I would still think of, I would still term it as scripture text. So it's a whole other aspect. It's not something that compared because the the publications from authors such as you know Roald Dahl or Doctor Seuss or even uh, Tolkien or any Blyton or C.S. Lewis and, and, and the likes, they are from people, one individual who gathers, who has a manifestation of ideas in their head and pens it down um, into, onto paper, whatever forms of, uh, you know, device that they use in their time. And then, you know, it goes and then it gets printed and then it gets dis distributed to billions and billions of people. Um, these are from, from these authors because they their publications have been existing for a long, long time. So it's been like in the in the state of millions and millions. But scripture is has a whole other historical context. It's it's not the same as uh, literature. You know, scripture is is usually guidance uh, for guidance and also for part of the religion for whatever rules and regulations uh, that needs to be encompassing as part of the religion. So we can't put them in the same basket because they are not apple and apple. They are like apple and pear. Yeah. Right. I, I just I just want to say I don't disagree with you personally, right? But I think a non-Muslim would say they are apple and apple, right? Because it's not picture to them. I mean, it's scripture to me, for sure. Um, but yeah, as in that's just... Uh, okay, so let's say, let's say it wasn't a, a religious obligation, the hijab. So maybe maybe because it's a religious obligation, it, it gets some, uh, some latitude, right? But let's say a belief of yours, which is not... Uh, do you have any controversial uh, beliefs? Do I? You want to Sorry? chat here? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better not, better not. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, I mean, all of us have some beliefs that, well, I hope so. I hope all of us have beliefs which go against the grain of the popular wisdom, right? So, I'm just worried if we are going to say, we, we're going to judge by any book any piece of literature, any piece of art by 2023 standards, which may not even be 2025 standards, never mind 20, uh, two, 
2-1-2-3 standards, right? Um, I just feel that we're going to lose a lot, right? Where, where do we stop? Dave Chappelle, should, should, should his art also be, be censored? Chris Rock, his art, should, should it be censored or should it, because it's potentially harmful or would you say that's different because it's comedians? Mm. Like, like I said earlier on, it really depends on who are the consumers of the content. So, there is a big difference if it's children, if, it, if it's teenagers, if it's young adults, and even as adults. So, of course, you know, in human development, executive function gets matures as we get older. So, obviously, for the much younger age group, you know, like the teens and below, I would, I would say even the teens, uh, you know, we have to, we have to be responsible for, as a society, for what we chose to publish. But more so because what is being chosen to publish is from the sentiments of the, of the society. So like, for example, why is there such a big um, pushback on, from, I would say, the global community on rolled up books being rewritten because a lot of the readers still hold nostalgia for the books because they grew up with it and it's so hard. Right, right. Um, it is so hard to, to think that, oh my goodness, you know, whatever I consume was part of something that was harmful, uh, was part of something that was hurtful. So, you know, we must ask ourselves, uh, we need to have the courage and the clarity to face it. We need to ask ourselves like questions such as, um, what does it mean to acknowledge our emotions? What would it mean to admit that whatever we loved uh, as children could hurt someone today? And what would it mean to acknowledge that possible pain? So, it is like what I shared earlier, I find that the Rolled Up, uh, I would say Rolled Up Saga is a PR stunt because obviously when you put it out in the media, people are going to push back because the, the mass amount of readers grew up with mm. these books and they hold nostalgia for it. So obviously they're going to go like, what? Why are you rewriting it? It's, right. We grew up with it and we turn out fine. But it's also like what I like what the you the word the sentence that I used earlier remember um we vote with our wallets and also because the parents right. of today right. are the generations of disruptors so it really it's 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 how how are we going to sit with our feelings of nostalgia and reflect on it and then learning how to move forward instead of looking back like yes rolled our books brought us on great adventures in our head and all that. Totally, it's, it, all these are acknowledged. But how are we moving forward with what we know now? Yeah. Right, okay, thank you. We vote with our wallet. I think that should be on a mark somewhere because that's an excellent quote. Um, so there is this, this quote that uh, Fats uh, is citing. The right to swing my fist ends where the other man's nose begins. I, I find that this is a thoroughly false equivalence in the context of what we are saying. Unless you are saying actions are the same as words. Because we cannot say that, I mean, words can be harmful, 
uh, but surely then that's a that's a huge difference between words and actions right so are we going to use this same principle for for words as well that's that's something that uh, we can we can talk about so um so so Hal said Farine's earlier point works best both with your wallet curate what your child reads don't censor the public space so i just want to i just want to double confirm right what you are saying Farine. you are saying that first of all you, you are clear that we shouldn't be no. editing his work yeah. right or did authors so you are just saying this in the context of children right not adults not adult books all books i don't or, think that i don't think that it should be edited because if we want to edit it is because of no no, no. Not, not not edited as in your argument about how we should not emphasize royal dell books it's because it's in the context of children right where mm. it needs to be more curated whereas adults you can read whatever or would you want some degree of not censorship no. but curating for oh, that it's up to adults. the adults they have their own executive function to decide right. what okay. they want uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. so by that by that token you wouldn't want to uh, you wouldn't have a problem with offensive humor and comedy as well yeah. as long as it's for adults yeah. right okay thank you okay so uh Steffi says is it really hurting anyone though i read dr Seuss books as a kid and i'm pretty sure i read the bits about asians and slanted eyes i'm not offended i understand it was a product of his time so and i guess the the, the broader point also right uh, for you for i right you said this generation of parents are the disruptors and is society that decides what if you are in the minority what if the majority actually believe that oh no no there's nothing wrong or at least it was wrong it was that man is a product of his time every single person is a product of his time i'm sure if you wanted to stretch it you can find misogynistic comments from gandhi or if you want to go to the bible or the quran if you want to find impose uh 2023 lens right so um what if you are in the minority and the majority actually do not think like you so does that mean that society shouldn't change because okay. we are going by society so values? i i'm going to pose this statement that books are mirrors and windows so books are mirrors and windows so when we read a book um uh, and there's a character in there that is uh like for example a singaporean character in the book um we that character is a mirror of us but when we read and then whatever other characters uh inside the book that are not representative of our identity are windows because we're learning about the other uh character the culture or the uh the traits of that character but let's look at the word mirror books as mirrors so when we look at a character that is for example like the the example i gave earlier on where i shared where i showed the picture of um how dr sus drew um africans as monkeys how affirming is that as a child or generally as a as a reader who is you know looking at picture books how affirming does it feel to see a mirror of your ethnicity uh, to look at your ethnicity mirrored that way back to you in such a degrading and dehumanizing way and 
a lot of the authors um, uh, in the past curated their characters of colour that way. Very dehumanising, very degrading, uh, with zero merits and and it's it's not affirming uh, to you. So you can be a Asian person reading the book and you know looking at the Asian reading about the Asian character in the book, the Asian um, character in the book, and you'll be like, that doesn't represent me. It's not very affirming. But that's if you have the executive function to to de- to de- discern that. But most of the time, children are like, oh, am, is that? how my identity is supposed to be you know my identity is supposed to be in this particular you know my skin color is described as dirty or unclean or you know my my features are you know just not very pleasing or pleasant like i don't have a set of brains that can let me stand up for myself so a lot of times that is where the damage happens and it's unconscious. It's very subtle, and we look at look at how we function as a global society. We still value fair skin. We still value lighter eyes. Very simple. Look at all the contact lenses on sale. Look at just go into Watsons and Guardian. Look at all the whitening products all over. And if we just walk into a shopping mall, look at the models that are modeling the products on the, on the on the advertising. It's very clear, and whatever we read, whatever we feed our mind becomes our unconscious bias and prejudice as well. So when we don't have any affirming character inside the kind of um, literature that we choose to, that we consume. As a child or as a teenager, then how is that going to impact us as we grow up? Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. Is Roald Dahl and Dr. Seuss are they the? Is the link to whitening products as well, as clear cut as that? You right? know, classism, I mean, colonization, imperialism. It's a lot of. Is this a value on fair skin? I mean, it predated colonialism, right? You can find this in works of um, societies everywhere. It's it's. I I don't know. I don't know why why you linked it to colonization. I think this has been. I mean, I I agree with you. It's a problem. It's a huge problem. I mean, you don't need to to tell me about it, right? <laughs> Given the way I look, right? But I I'm not sure whether the blame is on colonialism and therefore making the link to. Uh, to Roald Dahl and Enid Blyton and Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I mean, it is not people for... It it isn't very... We want to bring our children up to know that they can do... They can reach their goals. They are, you know, they are beautiful. They are strong. But if you're going to uh, let the floodgates of all this... um, dehumanizing or degrading content enter their lives when they don't even have the maturity or the executive function to deal with it then that's where you know we see or even like mental health is on the rise like body positive there's a lot of uh these authors are also not body positive as well there's a certain 
body that's uh, favored. Yeah. Right. I I I don't I don't deny that. I don't deny. I'm not sure whether we can mm -hmm. put the blame on these authors on those things because if people have been reading them for 40 years and mental health issues are on the rise in the past 10 mm -hmm. years and not the past 40 years then it has nothing to do with them it's more about social media and our access to all of this right so i'm not sure whether we can just oh throw in oh mental health and then link it to the world i, I said i'm not sure whether that's fair uh, and, and social media obviously accelerated on. all this because content became a lot more accessible at a very fast pace and a large amount. So that's why social media that the decline of mental right. health. Okay. Interestingly, uh, Steffi uh, said, isn't the rise of mental health uh, issues because kids are insulated from all of this? Uh, uh, the, the idea that life is terrible and therefore when they, I guess she's not saying this, but therefore when they encounter uh, difficulties in life that that happens but but a, a, in any case so i wanted to maybe we go a little bit more controversial okay <laughs> with your permission okay so so, <laughs> so you know one of the most uh, difficult topics if not the most difficult topics for us muslims operating in the space that we do right in the especially the activist mm -hmm. spaces that we do and one of the most difficult Sorry? topics is for sure gay marriage, right? Yeah. Because go, gay, gay, marriage. gay marriage. Gay marriage. No, oh, no, I no. thought you were pretending not to hear me when but I said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Sorry. So, uh, gay marriage, right? It's mm -hmm. one of the most difficult ones, right? Because uh, Muslims, we have a, a particular idea, a particular religious idea about about marriage, right? And it's between a man and woman, right? Many of our ideas on sexuality and marriage would consider would be considered non-mainstream. In, in today in the West is already considered non-mainstream, right? So Muslim authors who write books children books about heterosexual relationships may one day also be classified not may one day i think in some cases they already be classified as bigots and so on is that the path we want to go down like because censorship right is is not there is never ever a way where we can say oh only this particular genre is but everything else is not once we open that door right then that door is open already and that door is open on us as well. So would you, you say, aren't you, basically my, my, my question is, aren't you worried yourself of being cancelled by others because your views do not conform on a particular issue, do not conform to the mainstream mm -hmm. of, that, of that? I'm moment? not worried, mainly because I know that times are changing. Um, we know that. Um, and if if my work is irrelevant in the next whatever x amount of years i definitely will not be rolling in my grave <laughs> about it um so i am personally not worried and i'm okay with uh i don't see why i need to continue or at least why my books need to continue 
being printed um, if they are already not reflective of today, of the times in the future. Yeah. Or if they are not just printed, re-edited or rewritten or, you know, anything like that. But, but when you say reflective of mm -hmm. the times, right? It's about power as well, right? It's not just about <laughs> political power. It's about cultural power as well. It's not about right or wrong per se, right? What is right in the day, right? In the mainstream, right? What doesn't get you cancelled? It's not necessarily the truth. It, it is what is popular at one point in time. Or even a specific segment. You know, there are many issues, right? If you ask average person, the average person, they'll say one thing. But they'll admit that I can never say this online because I know that the online crowd will go after me, right? I just had a conversation with one person just now. Uh, I'll not mention who that person is. But that person was telling me that person likes a certain brand of comedians but would never admit to it online because that person will be cancelled online or something to that effect. Um, so when you say that it's society, right? Aren't we ignoring the cultural power, even the financial power of of a lot of these corporations in spreading certain values. So, of course, there are agendas behind why um, uh, there are most likely agendas behind why some organizations are choosing to stay in power. Like, for example, Roald Dahl, uh, you know, Roald Roald Dove organization coming out of its own by Netflix now, so I can just say Netflix. <laughs> Coming, you know, putting a media, putting out media, uh, on media that you know they are going to rewrite the 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 text, and then then of course you know the uproar coming back, and then they say, okay, you know, then we won't rewrite it. It's like what I shared earlier. I felt that it was more of a publicity stunt, so that they can continue staying in power, so that they can continue staying relevant, because they know that okay, uh, when they put out this statement in the media that you know it's going to be rewritten and then they get this pushback from the global community like why do you need to rewrite it they know that okay they are still going to be profitable even if they don't write it so that system that has been built around the organization will still profit because we vote with our wallets <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so that that is the agenda personally, like, this is my discla the disclaimer, this is my own words, okay, that is what I feel is the agenda, so that they can continue stay staying relevant, so that they know that they can continue uh, getting the, the raising the, uh, the awareness and the interest of whoever the generation of readers, you know, that still exist, that are paying for their books are probably the millennials, uh, would still continue voting with their wallets to pay for rolled up content yeah right 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 okay so Sohel uh, mentioned thank you for that for Sohel mentioned that the right to express my beliefs and read the books I want can only go as far as I protect the same rights for others you know so there's a question he asked I mean I I agree so NG asked would you be okay with them being edited uh, after their deaths uh, I think you already said no you are not uh, you're not in favor of that. Therese says, and I, I have to read this comment, she oh. she is an alumni of Tetari. Uh, she, I think there's potential for decolonization through expanding awareness of local book culture and native works, which, you know, 
using all the buzzwords, right? So which which is not which is not wrong. But as I said, if you are going to criticize white authors for this, right? Are we sure that our local mm -hmm. authors from the same time period are not of such things? Yeah, and I know for a fact that's not true. <laughs> that that is not across different cultures. The stereotyping yeah. and so on did happen, right? Across different cultures prior to colonization, right? You saw even the stories in in our own era, right? In our own history of the you saw that there was racism. And so where did that come from? That was prior to colonization. So, um, so how how exactly do we, how what is the standard we are going to use? It cannot be that. Or it's as long as it's not white, right? So white doesn't mean right, but white doesn't mean immediately wrong as well, right? So we need to discern what is. And likewise, black doesn't mean right. Black doesn't mean wrong as well. Uh, so what exactly is the standard that so, we are going to use? Uh, I don't agree with, you know, like, you know, it's about white or it's about black or that kind of standard. For me, it's about having equality, I would say, equity at the table so right now currently in terms of children's literature 41 percent of of the characters are white is that equal is that equitable it's not 41 yes. percent and then guess what's it's well what you might not think it's the majority mean? but the next the next largest number is 21 percent of the characters are animals and then, and then uh, yeah, all the okay. other characters okay. are right. under fifteen percent. Um, so, so is that fair? Is that representative of our global majority of our global community? It's not. Forty-one percent of the world is not white. But do they have to be? When when you read a book, do you want to see the equivalent number? So let's say I write. Mm -hmm. So if I write a book in Singapore, right, and there are. Three Three characters, three main characters. One is Malay, one is Indian, one is Chinese. That's not representative of Singapore, right? It's not. It's not at all. If there are only three characters, then two or three should be all Chinese, because seventy-five mm -hmm. percent of Singapore is Chinese. So how, how do we want to draw these these lines? Like, so when I read these books, am I really interested? When I read a children, mm -hmm. a child reads a children's book, are they interested in how many? white characters or cartoon characters in in this by, yes, by the way you are yeah. talking about english books right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's okay, no okay, yes. there's That's, no statistics uh, on yeah. uh, our mother tongue languages yet so english books written mostly by yes, white english, people all english books are written mostly by white people but it is it, the the statistics i'm sharing if you want to look look at it from the from the lens of who has the most power. So white institutions have the most power. So white publication, white publishing houses has the most power. Um, and the ones with the most power would have the most influence uh, on our minds, basically. So that's why, um, you know, I'm going to read. Should Malay book, should Malay books have uh, equal representation well, well of the global population. On the topic as well. If we are going to talk about uh, fasting during Ramadan, then obviously the characters 
majority of the characters are going to be Muslims, right? You won't have a, a, a non-Muslim going to the mosque, doing taraweeh prayers and all that unless they are looking at the, the, the character who's a non-Muslim is a, a minor character, just, you know, part of the 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 whole story. Then, yeah, it depends on the, say, the topic that we're looking at. Like, for example, um, when I wrote Uncle Daniel's Favourite Colour, the book about the a blind uncle who has a favorite color. Um, uncle Daniel is a Chinese man. Yusuf, the, the boy, is a Malay. It comes from a biracial family. So his mother is Uncle Daniel's uh, sister and his father is a Malay man. And inside that book, I deliberately kept the words Adik, Abang, Asampedas, inside because i'm an author of uh, it represents my identity you know i use the words ali abang and i eat asam pedas and i would like whoever is the reader to know more about the words ali abang and of course asam pedas so the readers who read my books uh, who identify who are able to identify with the words ali abang and asam pedas they were like well, you know, I've never, I'm, thank you. They were saying, you know, thank you for writing, uh, including the words Ade and Abang and Asam Pedas and especially having that illustrated in... Is, is Sorry? that setting in Singapore? Is that setting in Singapore? In, the setting, setting of your book? The, or? That, 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 that book is not representative. It's, it's not, not representative of the Singapore not, population, right? It is... One, it is a mirror for those who are able to identify with the ethnic, the that identity, and it becomes. Why, why can't why can't why, why can't white well, authors for the white authors that we are looking at, like Roald Dahl, Doctor Seuss, uh, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Enid Blyton, their book, their content has a lot of xenophobia. They are not. No, no, okay. Let's say we don't have that. We're oh. moving on to the point of 41%. So let's mm -hmm. say 41% itself, right? But they are saying the exact same thing. Oh, I'm not writing to be representative of the global population. I am writing for a specific crowd. People who look like me, who can identify with this. If I am not xenophobic, if I am not racist, is that okay It's okay. But do we, do we need to keep giving power to a, a dominant culture already? When you say we, who, who do you mean we? I mean, we can just not buy, right? If you don't want to buy, if it doesn't speak to you, just don't buy. What, what, I guess what's the, what's the problem? The reality of when we walk here. into a bookstore. When, so just a few months ago, I walked into Kinokunia. Uh, and then, obviously, I'll go to the children's section. And what do I find? Rows and rows of Annie Blyton. Rows and rows of Roald Dahls. Um, and rows and rows of Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> but where is the diversity picture? So it's like literally at a corner which is probably like maximum two shelves with all the different diverse uh, authors. And then compared to the rows and rows and rows of Annie Blyton and Roald Dove and uh, Dr. Seuss that you find in, in, in a bookstore. That, that, that's the reality of it. So, 
that already shows right. that the consumers, the people who are voting with their wallets, would vote from the quantity that's available at the bookstore when you are already. Oh. Oh. There is that quantity because yes. people have voted with yeah. their wallet. So if we want, so then that was the problem. If if people, if minorities mm -hmm. are the ones who choose, minority wife who choose to buy all those books for our children, it's then what's, what's not the problem? a problem per se in 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 a words where in in that state where it's problematic. But then when we start thinking, eh, how come you know? Why my children always reading white? You know, when the parents start asking, hey, why why so hard to find diverse uh, literature? It becomes, that becomes a problem because we are giving space to the, the white institutions already. The, the big publications house that are mainly white. But the smaller institutions that are trying to bring in all this diverse literature, they are not able to find economically. It's, it, close to impossible a lot of yeah fair enough, fair enough. No, I, 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 I think that's that's a good argument because i'm not a free market proponent anyway as in i don't think it solves everything I, i'm just i'm just saying that if people have decided to buy then i think that is that is the, mm -hmm. is, that is the decision they've made what, what you're saying is a fair criticism i think that's something that bookstores have to seriously consider. Are you sidelining authors, alternative authors? So sorry, it's been one hour, 10 minutes, right? If, if you could indulge no. a couple more questions. One by Megan. Uh, so what exactly does equitable sorry. children's literature look like? Given all the various, what exactly does equitable children's literature look like? Given all the various ways we can look at demographics and diversity, right? So, uh, what's what's the biracial character in your book? Would their parents are from which ethnicity? Right. So See, my son is Indian. not represented in that. Right. <laughs> my son is Indian, and right. So, so then your your book doesn't speak to his <laughs> lived so experience. My, right? so my point is, him. there are so many ways. My Wait, sorry. Why why is it into uh, another window into? Uh, ethnicity for him so my book would be a window so we we all know like we majority of us grew up with and knowing okay what is tea what's cakes you know we know a lot about the white culture but how much do we know about the non-white culture because we know we read about it in most of whatever we consume as a child and not only that in whatever media we consume as well yeah but do you think I think that's true in 2023. I cannot look, I cannot see a movie or whatever it is without diversity. And I know it's false diversity. Is that, is that criticism really true? I mean, I think that mm -hmm. criticism was true in 2013. I mean, in 2023, that is still a criticism that is, that is true that people are not exposed to diversity. And yes, it is. They are only exposed if to If not, why culture. are we still so... Um, as a Singaporean community, why are we still unaware about a lot of things about each other's cultures? Like, we still, you know, why why are we saying to our Muslim friends, oh, Happy New Year during Hari Raya? If you want to laugh, you can laugh. <laughs> no, no, no. I, as in, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just yeah. saying that is an experience <laughs> so, every Muslim has. So why are we saying 
think Gone Happy New Year to so Muslims during Hari Raya. But you know, we would say, oh, Happy Chinese New Year or Happy Lunar New Year. Can we are able to greet it accurately to our our Chinese friends? Or, you know, greet accurately like Diwali or Deepavali. Or, you know, instead of saying, oh, Happy Indian New Year <laughs> to, to our Indian friends in Deepavali. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a separate topic. I've done a few few episodes on Chinese privilege, but let's not, let's not go there today. Let's let's stay. Otherwise, I'll hold you for the next one hour. Also. Okay. So, final question for you, right? As an author, right? So, so just now you said when I said my son mm-hmm. is not represented, but it's a window, right? Where all dull and in it blighten, and all of them can make the exact same argument. It's a window. It's a window. As long as it's, it's not, it doesn't fit your diversity criteria, it's a window into somebody else's thinking. It's a window into. Now, you may not like the depiction of the characters, and I think rightly so. I do not like it as well. But I didn't know mm-hmm. that uh, they were featured like that in Doctor. You may not like that, but there's a window into the thinking of some people, right? So we can use the window argument to, to justify anything, right? And then the, the diversity argument can go out of the window there, right? So, so my final question to you is, who should an author write for? That really depends on the author. Um, so an author, like for myself, I write for children. I write and I chose to write responsibly because I'm, I know I'm writing for children. I'm writing for the children of today and I believe that I'm also writing for the children of tomorrow because whoever purchases, uh, you know, my works, my books, will probably read them to their own children in the next generation. So I'm writing for most likely two generations. And if, if my publishers want to continue printing my book way after um, my death, I do not. Uh, that, then it might be more generations after that. Um, but that's a very personal question. It will be a different answer author to author who they are writing for. But my answer is I'm writing for my children and, their fu- and the future generation. So I choose to write as responsibly um, as I can because not only am I a mother, I'm an educator and I'm also, I also understand the impacts um, that literature has on human development, it can, one pen can change the world. One word can change the world. We know that. So I believe that whatever I have written down would have would have a very great impact many, many years down the road, even when I do not exist anymore. Yeah. If you do not. If I do not. So, so yeah, but I can say it. <laughs> this very clearly and you know because i know whatever comes up on social media will be forever as well you know i don't wish for my my works to be rewritten or edited to stay relevant if it is not relevant anymore then stop publishing it <laughs> yeah stop printing it. yeah right so you're comfortable with that with mm-hmm. the the relevance being determined by Political Sorry? and cultural power being determined by political and cultural power. Well, I'm dead already, so I don't really have, I can't really do much. <laughs> okay. Let's say 
let's say you're alive. Let's say this happens next year, right? <laughs> so you're comfortable with the idea that your ideas will stop being published because mm -hmm. people do not like it. Not because you are comfortable with that. Even if it's uncomfortable, I will have to sit with the discomfort. And if it is if it is a uh, a discomfort of for example whatever I wrote is harmful or hurtful, then I definitely have to be comfortable with it. I have to sit with the discomfort and learn to be comfortable with it. But if it's for other agendas, uh I probably will be will not be able to sit with discomfort. Like for example, because my latest book, Uncle Daniel's Favorite Color, features disability. If it's because people are anti-disability, then obviously I will not sit with the discomfort. I won't have a lot of power to say that my books need to continue being printed, but I do have other spaces, other outlets like social media, uh, you know, using my word, using my presence to continue advocating for disabilities, yeah, for for accessible uh support and systems for the, the disabled yeah thank you so much so megan says i feel like ultimately censorship of art completely defeats the purpose of art in the very first place shouldn't art be a window to discussion whether we're agreeable yeah, or disagreeable you would agree with that adults, but not for children yeah, <laughs> yeah look, look. <laughs> I, I, I think you're right i think i am actually in agreement with you on on the principle i think for children for children i do think that it's not the same as it is for adults right although i have seen in the comments today even and of course online as well people would say even for adults this can be harmful and therefore should be should be which is not the argument you are making so i, I want to be clear that's not the argument you're making so i think for children definitely we do not say that okay just expose them to any form of nudity right nobody says that I mean, generally people don't say that because we are yeah yeah exactly so we understand that there, are, that there must be some uh quality control i guess the question is where do we draw the lines uh, is diversity an important criteria what exactly how fine green should be the the diversity should the diversity be right should it incorporate all forms of intermarriages all forms of sexualities and genders like every character oh, no. every book has to have all of this right uh when yeah, i when i read yeah. when when okay. i i see yeah yeah yeah, so yeah yeah exactly yeah so you know when we when we look uh when people criticize friends for instance right i watch comedy with to for the humor i don't watch to if it's funny, I don't care who says it, right? It's not the censors, right? It's not parliament, right? Where I, I want to see representation, right? When I watch Friends, I want to check out, I want to I wanna laugh, right? But I guess, I guess that's where the disagreement between myself and uh, many people would be. Any, any final words for us? Okay, so my final words will be investigate um, between our feelings and how it contributes to the future. Remember, uh, we vote for wallets. Um, understand who we're giving power to when it comes to media because of how because we vote with our wallets. So how we vote is also how we give power to the different uh, people in the industry. And I'm very excited actually to see the generation 
of disruptors today. Yeah. So quite exciting to see what's happening in the media. Uh, in 2015, the number of publication that are whites are very centered at 71% plus, 71 plus percent, and now we are at 41%. So maybe in the next 10 years, it could be equal level playing. I'm quite excited to see that. I, you know what, I, I unfortunately okay. do not share your optimism. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, in terms of politics, right, I feel that diversity has been used and excused to mask incompetence and to mask um, selling out to corporations, right? So, oh, let's put a diverse person. There was this meme, right, where the, yep. about the military-industrial complex, right? 20, 2003, the US uh, fighter jet was dropping bombs in Muslim countries. 2022, it was dropping uh, bombs still, but with the rainbow flag. And then, oh, people are saying, oh, now it's diverse. And then we look at Kamala Harris. Oh, she's a black woman. Yeah. But is that, is that the person you want? Right? Is that the person who really represents? What yeah. if she's just a corporate shield? Right? So I am not sure whether diversity is the lens through which I, I assess things. Uh, at the same time, I am thoroughly sympathetic to your, to your idea about rep of representation in, uh, in children's books. Uh, so I'm definitely sympathetic to that. And I think you have convinced me on, on a few uh, a few things. Um, not everything, what? but I think you have convinced me on In a few things I, I have, would like to know. I have to rethink. <laughs> so so this, at the start, I thought how you started this was, was really strong. And in terms of uh, pointing out the actual... Because a lot of people speak in generalities, but you really pointed out the specific harmful effects or harmful and racist mm -hmm. uh, aspects of Dr. Seuss, right? Um, and I thought that was, I mean, there's no defending that already, right? And and those parts, I think we, we really need to have a conversation about that, right? So my worry is, what, even, even then, I wouldn't want it to be edited, right? Which you also do not want. Uh, you just no, want no. us to boycott. I don't want you to boycott. Right? I want you to that's... be informed, that's all. So you, you're informed, you Right, right, right. Make... Boycott for, uh, uh, for our children. I would I just be informed yeah, 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 parents right? so that you know what's entering your right. home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think I think that part I, I'm convinced by. So so Megan and Angie said basically should we push the parenting responsibility to publishers and creators? Uh and then we can think also, right? Then what about YouTube? Right. What about Netflix? Right. And what about the internet? What about TikTok? That's far more. TikTok is far more harmful to children than Royal Dahl's books, right? That's everywhere. So yeah. that's the thing about being a parent. There are predators everywhere. There are, the predators are everywhere. And we need to be at least aware of um, where the unsafe areas of... Um, are where the predators enter. So at least we know and we are able to take steps to ensure safety of our children. 100% agree. So let's let's end on that uh, reconciliatory note. <laughs> I think we got through this okay. I think we are still friends. Uh, so... Are we still friends, Walid? <laughs> so thank you. I, 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 I,
really appreciate you coming on and just on short notice and you were came and you wanted to talk about this. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work you do for sure. And you know, differences of opinions even on the same side mm -hmm. is something that should be cherished. That should be cherished. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much, Farah, and good night, everyone. Thank you for the comment section. Such active participation <laughs> today. Okay. Have a good, good night. night. And Bye -bye. you can always ask me on DMs if you want right. to further debate about it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye.